feel like sometimes life is really mental. Dude, that's actually a really good name for a podcast. <laughs> Even when you lose all hope, you go deeper than you've gone. Hold on till you can't no more. Anyone who's going to be in my life needs to like significantly improve where I'm at now. If someone's coming in and they're taking away from that at all, like goodbye. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Really Mental Podcast. We are here today with Upsal and we're really excited to chat today about time healing everything. We're going to get into that statement later. First of all though, welcome. We talk about mental health and identity each week with uh, amazing talented artists, creatives, and actors. And could you please rate this pod? Please rate us a five star on whatever podcast service you're using if you enjoyed this conversation. And make sure to follow us, like us, and subscribe on all of our socials at Really Mental Podcast. We would love to hear from you. To get into this conversation and that statement, time heals everything. Harry, can you explain to us a bit more about what this means and how you've seen that statement apply to your life? I think that when saying time heals everything, the important thing to remind yourself is that everything will get better over time. So when you have these high highs and you have these low lows, you need to remember that they'll be mitigated by time. And like, just because you feel really low at one point doesn't mean you won't ever feel high again. Like you eventually will feel great again at one another point in your life. And if you didn't feel those low points, you won't ever know what a high point is. Yeah, And I think that that's a really important thing for people to recognize because so many people always say you have to be happy all the time. You have to be positive all the time. You have to always be at those high points, but that's not reality. We're going to have moments where we are feeling low and we're feeling like crap. And I think it's important to feel those moments because that allows us to know what feeling great is. Because if we didn't know what feeling great was, you know, because if we didn't know what feeling crap is, you won't know what great is. Yeah. I just had a random thought then about acne, right? Most of us, unless you have extremely blessed skin and if you do, good for you, but most of us get acne at some point. And if I was to use that as a metaphor, we understand because we can see it that at some point that will go down, that will heal, the skin will heal. In the similar sense with humans, if we look at like emotional trauma or pain that we're going through, We have to understand that no matter what place we're in and no matter how deep we feel or how big the problem is, it will heal in the same way. And in fact, we're going to grow into better version of ourselves because of it. I think the biggest challenges lead to the biggest blessings. Sometimes life, honestly, really is a struggle for me. And then I have other times where I feel so grateful because I made it through that point and I'm actually able to appreciate how far I've come, whether it's with my music or just as a person with my personal development. So it's a big thing to remember. And with that statement, we are going to get into some very interesting conversation because off of that comes, you know, heartbreak, making decisions around your career and giving it enough time to see where that's going to go. So I'm really excited for this conversation and just want to remind you if you find this useful, please send it to your friends. Maybe it could help them or save life. So with that in mind, we're welcoming Upsal to The Really Mental Show. Woo! Hey everyone, 
We have a really mental show on the Amazon AMP app. We're going to be hosting live conversations with some of your favorite guests, including some of the ones on here. Make sure you go follow us on the Amazon AMP app at Really Mental. And we want you to know that no matter who you are, you're not alone. Hopefully we'll see you on Amazon AMP at 7 p.m. PT, 10 p.m. ET every Sunday. All right, see you then, beautiful human. What's up, everyone? We are joined with a very special guest. It is Upsoul, and she just released a very special album, Lady Jesus. We're very excited to talk to her. How are you feeling, Taylor? What's up? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm stoked for today. I'm super excited to chat. How has your mental health been just in the last week? Actually, pretty good. Honestly, I feel like I'm the happiest and most content I've been in a very long time. And I'm starting to realize that I'm like as a songwriter, always looking for drama and like tea to like write songs about. So me being content is like very weird for me. I'm like, wait, what? Are the songs you're writing, are they different when you're feeling content? Are they a bit less heavy or less hard hitting? Yeah. I mean, this is my first time kind of getting back into the studio since writing my album, Lady Jesus. And Lady Jesus is very much like about a breakup, going through some shit, getting to like find myself again. And so now that I'm like happy, I'm like, shit, there's no drama to write about. So I'm just writing songs about like feeling good and my friends and like going out and having a good time. It's a very refreshing, creative space for me to be in right now because I've never just been able to write about just like being happy. You know what I mean? It's kind of nice. What are some things that you do that help with being happy? I mean, this past year and a half, for everyone has been such a mess. For me, it was like literally the worst year of my life. So I feel like there was a lot of like work that went into getting where I am like now. But yeah, I think my biggest thing is like leaning on my friends and being very open about how I'm feeling. Being as open and authentic and like unapologetic about my feelings as I can be, that kind of helps me like process everything in real time, you know? When you're first opening up to your friends, because of course at the start, like there can be a pride to it, at least from what I've felt. When did that process sort of start for you? And was that hard for you to do? Yeah, for sure. I mean, being open about your feelings is already like a difficult thing to do. For me, I started being that way once I got into like songwriting more because I moved to LA when I was 19 and just got thrown into doing songwriting sessions every day. And songwriting is a very vulnerable place to like put yourself in, especially when you're like writing songs with other people. I eventually just kind of got into this pattern of every day I would go up to a session and most of the time it would be like strangers because I didn't really know anyone when I moved to LA. And I would be writing with these people and I would have to like very, very quickly within like an hour of knowing someone, tell them my deepest, darkest secrets about like how I was feeling or my relationships or whatever. And then we'd have to write a song about that. Once I kind of got into that routine of just already being so open in my job, it just kind of naturally carried over into my relationships with people. And I very quickly just became the friend that was like always a shit show and like always had some problem to talk about. And it was almost like entertainment or something. So I just kind of like owned it, I guess. But it's been very helpful for me as a person, for sure. And as a songwriter. I wanted to retrace back and just get some background for people listening about how you got into music and how Arizona growing up as a kid, how that impacted you as a person. Word. Yeah, my dad was in like punk bands all throughout my childhood. So I was just always watching him and I was like, he's like living the dream. This looks so fun. 
because he was in like the punk scene or whatever, I would wake up in the morning, like five years old. And like, there would be some random punk band, like crashed out on our living room floor. They had a show the night before, whatever in Phoenix, kind of being surrounded by the music scene and especially like the punk scene, like from such a young age, I just like glamorized it so much. I went to a little like performing arts school in Arizona for like most of my life. The support I had from everybody at that school was really rad. And Arizona, as interesting of a place as Arizona is, Phoenix itself is like this little bubble of like really cool creative people. And I feel like the music scene and the creative art scene in Phoenix really welcomed me with open arms. It was like a cool place to grow up making music for sure. That's awesome, man. It sounds like with your high school then, I don't want to assume, but it sounds like it'd be more of a supportive space for you growing up, which we've found talking to different artists, they can have a really tough time. And you know, even Harry and I have our own struggles within that high school period. Did you ever feel like you didn't fit in or was that a pretty comfortable space for you? It was a mixture. I feel like very like lucky to have had the school experience that I had because it was like a really small art school half of it was all about like community and not bullying. And like every, it was a big part of the conversation. Like always was just like being a decent human being. There's always high school fucking drama or whatever, because I'm a songwriter. I, I was always chasing. Yeah. I felt like it was a really just like nice supportive space to grow up in. We were all classically trained. Like the school was like classical music. My teachers would be like coming to my shows and shit when we were like in high school. So I felt like very supported. I feel lucky to have had that experience because I know for a lot of people like high school is a mess. I had a very like unique high school experience, I guess. Did you ever have self-doubts within your music career where you were like, oh, I don't know if this is the right thing for me to be doing? The school that I went to was a college prep school. So my whole life it was like, you have to go to school once you graduate. I chose not to, but it was kind of like my parents too, because I was so like laser focused on the idea that college was like the only way to make it in the world. My parents sat me down at the end of my senior year and were like, yo, like, we don't think you should go to college. Like you should totally pursue music. And I was like, first of all, parents are not supposed to say that. Like you're supposed (laughs) to tell me to like get it together and go to school. They were super supportive, but because of the pressure that I had like felt for my school just about it, I didn't tell even like my two best friends that I wasn't going to college until like six months after I decided that I was moving to LA just because it was like a scary thing. So that was, I think, the first time that I had had like doubts since moving to LA. I mean, it's a whole other world. Like it's such a brutal cutthroat industry that every day is just working to make you feel shitty about yourself. And so some days I'm like, maybe I'll just make music my hobby, like make like go back to it being my hobby because it is so much work and it's it takes a toll on your mental health for sure. Then I realized it's like the only thing I enjoy. So I might as well make it my job. There's always doubt creeping in like every day for sure. That's so interesting. How do you deal with the doubt and like kind of manage the whole internal thoughts and the internal doubts? The biggest thing I've learned, it was like the best advice I've ever gotten. It was from my publisher when I first met him and was like 19 moving to LA. He was like, you're gonna feel like shit a lot because you're gonna be like working your ass off. And then all of a sudden someone's gonna come up and like get ahead of you in the game or whatever. And like, it's a constant like push and pull. You're gonna watch all these people around you get super successful. He gave me the whole lowdown of like what my life was going to be like for the next however long. And he was like, the key is to 
not compare yourself to other people, but compare yourself to where you were a year ago or six months ago or whatever. So literally like that is the thing that has totally kept me sane. I know we've spoken to a few guests about their relationship with their family. Do you ever find that being super close to your parents also comes with a lot of clashes? Yeah, for sure. I feel like it's rare. My parents are still together. They still love each other. Like my parents have always been like one of the least problematic parts of my life. But because we're so close, it makes it to where like you hurt the people you're close to, obviously. So like I remember when I was in high school, like me and my mom would like fight like we were like sisters because we were so close that like we knew how to like, I guess I knew how to piss her off. And so I was like such a dick to her. And she says it now. She's like, you were a fucking asshole in high school, which, yeah, I'd feel really bad for. But like, I think that was because we were so close. I don't know. It's I feel like my parents also had me like when they were pretty young. So it also makes it to where I'm just like, yeah, I feel like I'll always just be close to them, regardless of if there's like little fights here and there. As you get older, I feel like you realize your parents were just like kids who ended up having kids. And then they were like, shit, we have to raise this kid now. Like, I feel like you hold them to such a high standard because you're like, you're my parents. No, like they just like had a kid and now are trying to figure out how to like not fuck it up. You know, realizing that changed everything. I was like, oh, my parents are like humans. They're just people. Because of that, since they didn't really know, like it was their first time raising a kid, they were really strict. But they had me so young that like, I think they just like defaulted to being really strict. So because they were so strict, I was a little shit and I was always just sneaking around doing dumb shit or whatever in high school. Like what? I threw all the parties and I would just be like, yeah, I'll like, I would just have my parents like go out to dinner and they would come home and they would be like, Project my X vibes. school at my house. Yeah. And like that, or like. I was always hiding like alcohol in my room and just like stupid. And I was sneaking out and just like doing all the, all the things that a kid who wants to rebel does. I noticed something you you touched on before and it's about putting people on a pedestal. I think that resonated with me because I realized I've been doing that a lot. I think sometimes with the inner critic with me, I will put people on a pedestal. I just don't see the flaws in others, but I'll see the flaws in myself. Is that something that you've realized as well? Or is that just Yeah. Oh my God. No, I feel like that's so real. Especially when you're like dating or like newly seeing someone, you like paint this like perfect version of them in your head. And it's just a recipe for fucking disaster because they're never going to live up to that idea of them that you've created. Yeah. I definitely do that with like people that I look at like romantically. Um, I feel like a lot of people do that though, right? Like that's a normal thing, hopefully. I was listening to something and I remember they were speaking about in the dating world, people always have this checklist of the person they want. Oh, they have to be a musician or they have to be tall. They have to be this, that. Like they have this full basically resume that they want these people to have instead. And they're kind of creating this concept in their brain of who they want instead of how adequate that person is in being a relationship with them and actually how they are together instead of what they do externally, because what they do externally doesn't actually necessarily influence the relationship. And that goes on par with this future idea of a partner and who you want in your life. Obviously, you can they can be nice and stuff like that. But I think also it's like, how well are they at actually being in a relationship with you? And like something else a lot of people do when they are in relationships is they spend so much time 
thinking about the future and the future with that person instead of actually just being in the present with that person, enjoying their time. Like when you're on a date with someone, you'll be sitting there and go like, how can this person in the future influence my life and be with them and stuff like that. You're always thinking about the future instead of like, how is this date or how is my time with this person going right now? Oh my God, that's so real. They say we see in others what we see in ourselves. And that's what has really led me to that realization that I put people on pedestals because I've been starting to observe meeting new people and whether that's like with the thought of this could be a romance thing or whether it's like it could be a friend. And I've been noticing that and it's funny as well because the things that I will notice I don't like about someone is the same things that I don't like about myself. And that's what I'm, it's like, it's a reflection and that is mind blowing. And so I notice the concept thing so much because I can see myself now like going into all of these relationships, even with friends being like, we could have an amazing holiday together. Like this person wants to go to you know, whatever, Hawaii or something. What if we're not even friends at that point still? You know, I've built up this fantasy to live in. It's crazy. Honestly, like we're crazy. We all are really crazy. <laughs> it I only just really leads natural. to disappointment. Yeah, it is a very yeah. human, natural thing to do. It's just fucked up that everyone does it. Yeah. How did you deal with the breakup in your relationship? I wanted to delve into that because you've mentioned it a few times. So it must have been a big part of your life. Formative. Totally. I was with like the same person for a very long time, like moved to LA with the dude. We like grew up together, basically. I feel like when you go through like the phase of 18 to like into your 20s, like so much changes and you do so much growing. And I did this with like another person. And so when it ended, I literally felt like half of my identity was this other person. And all of a sudden, half of me was like gone. Like it sounds so dramatic, but I literally was like, oh, I don't know who I am like without this person. And so I kind of had to do like a deep dive into just like myself and like, A, like finding out who I was and then B, like falling in love with that like version of myself. And so it was a lot of time. Time heals like everything, but a lot of time and a lot of just like conversations with myself and a lot of just like reflecting. It's the worst thing in the moment, but then you look back and you're like, wow, like that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Like I'm a new person now, you know? Yeah. Did you go through a stage that was like kind of dark or did you go straight into like, I need to get myself sorted? No, I went into a very dark place. It kind of revealed to me a lot of like mental health issues that I had never really thought of. Like I've always been a generally happy person, never really dealt with anxiety or insomnia until this breakup. It kind of like brought out all of these things in me. What takeaways did you get from that experience? I think leaning on like people around you, like taking advantage of any sort of support system that you have. Like I had my friends and my family were like really there for me to just like call and rant about whatever. That was really helpful. And I think just spending time alone was like the best thing I've ever done for myself, for sure. Yeah. I think on my end as well as separating yourself from your ex-partner straight after a breakup, you can't be hanging out with them all the time and be a friend's like that quickly. It can't be that quick of a turnaround time. That's something I experienced and the mistake I made was we went straight from breaking up to trying to be friends. And it was very challenging. That was for like a solid like five months. And then, 
yeah, tried to be friends and then finally like came to the conclusion that like we need a break. If you were to look at a relationship now for you and just generally what would you have taken from this breakup and be looking for now? The biggest thing is like anyone who's going to be in my life needs to like significantly improve where I'm at now because I'm at a really dope place. So like if someone's coming in and they're taking away from that at all, like goodbye. Like that I guess is the biggest thing. I was in a relationship that was so, it was beautiful and it was amazing and I'm so grateful for it and so grateful for that person. If I could go back, I would like do it all again because we were so young, like codependent and like, just like not it. Like it was so toxic looking back. And so like now just being able to be in a relationship where like both people are completely independent and dope as fuck separately, but then can like come together at the end of the day and be double as cool. Yeah. You know, like exactly. I feel like that is like what I guess I would want in like a future relationship. And that's a good space to be in, you know, for the first time the other day, I was like, I'm really excited today to just put up like some posters in my room, like and just hang by myself and not touch my phone. And like, I don't know. I think that's so cool that you can do that. We did this like test. What was it, Will, that you got me to do? It's a test by Dr. Martini. We're going to send it to Taylor after this yeah, so she can get a vibe. Yeah, I want to do this. It's Shit. about basically before Harry sort of goes through it, it's about your priorities. So it asks a bunch of really high quality questions. You get to see, okay, well, this is why I'm not dating because maybe like relationships are 10% or whatever. I did it last night actually because- I wasn't doing anything. I have mine here now. I got it up. 28% relationships, 18% work, 15% self-development and happiness, 10% wealth, 10% downtime slash wellness, 10% goals, and then 5% sex. Nice. <laughs> I, I don't know why it like had sex in there for me, yeah, but why it did. Is that That's amazing. This was one of the things like my family's very open about is sex and like being sexually comfortable, being able to feel like you can express yourself in something that people might seem as taboo or bad to talk to people about. Like, and that's something I've really learned. I've learned to be very comfortable and I naturally have been raised to be very comfortable in expressing myself and being able to talk about that because it's just something everyone does. So why put this whole barrier up against it? Yeah, I'm the same way. My parents were super open about all that shit. I feel like it is important. Like I talk about it in my music a lot too. Yeah. Like what you're saying, everybody, everybody fucks. Why is it that deep? Like, why can't we just talk about it? Yeah, no, I'm with you for sure. Definitely. And that kind of ties into that whole 5% because it was talking about one of the questions was, what are the three things you talk about most? For me, I talk about my work, my like experiences and probably sex. Like I actually genuinely enjoy talking to people about that because I find it interesting to hear different people's perspectives on it because it is such an unspoken thing. The girl's bathroom at a bar, like you become best friends with like everyone in line, like while you're there. And like every time I'm like, now we're like talking about our sex lives and I don't even know these people. And they're telling me all the tea. Like, (laughs) I love just like getting people to talk about it. It's so fun. I reckon as well, though, it's really good that we do talk about it more. And I think we should because how I sort of see it as well is, you know, I think about other areas of life that are taboo as well and like not spoken to media because the media doesn't speak about anything <laughs> like substance abuse as well. That really confuses me that no one talks about that. Everyone's having experiences with it. Wouldn't you want to have a conversation about it? So people at least don't feel like uneducated when they're like, 
experimenting and stuff like that. If it's going to happen, we should talk about those things. And it shouldn't be like a thing of like, oh, this is bad. That's good. You know what I mean? Because it's not talked about, people think that when you hear like substance abuse, you like imagine like the worst possible thing. You don't realize a lot of people our age like deal with substance abuse on like a smaller scale and like may not even like recognize it. Like even me the other day, I was like, I've had a drink every day for the past few months. I should probably take a little break, make sure I'm able to take a break. So I did. And I've like done like a week because it's not talked about. Like we don't realize that we're around substance abuse, like a lot more than we actually acknowledge, you know, and it doesn't have to be like some taboo, crazy thing. If you're like, yo, maybe I do drink too much. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like everyone like makes it seem like it's like the worst thing in the world to talk about. And then it makes you like some of it go unnoticed, you know? Yeah, I see some of your songs talk about like drugs, alcohol, parties. How have those things kind of influenced your life? A lot, probably more than I would like to like admit. But I think because of the way that I grew up, like my parents were strict originally. So I was like, I want to like rebel and go crazy. I think I just sort of continued to do that when I moved to LA for a minute. And when you're young, you like try new things, having like check-ins with yourself. I never want to be relying on anything. It definitely has had an influence on like me as an artist and like my music. I have a song out called like drugs and it literally says like, I just came here for the drugs. What's problematic about songs about drugs and alcohol or when it's like, like, I don't want people to think it's like encouraging people to like go do all the drugs in the fucking world. Like it's more just so like the empowerment of just like being unapologetic. Like that's what that song's about for me. That's the tough thing. Balance. So I want to bring it back a little bit, Taylor, how do you give yourself boundaries so that you can maintain like healthy living and like a healthy state of mind and not lose your your way as well? A balance in general, not even related to like drugs and alcohol, just balance in life is something I've been working on a lot in the past year, just because I feel like it's so easy to work all the time. You forget to like haven't seen my friends in a few weeks. Like you're like just working your ass off, you know? So it's like, that has been a big thing for me is just finding balance just in general in life with like relationships and work and myself, or I've been trying to have like, just like mental check-ins with myself. I think you have a a bright future ahead and I don't think your time's Mm -hmm. done after this album, Lady Jesus. When you're making an album, does it bring out that perfectionist in you or are you very chill? Are you able to just go with it? I think, yeah, no, definitely brings out a part of me that isn't normally there about, like, I care so much about each of these songs and the mixes and the production and whatever. Like, this was the first time I got to get, like, really involved. I also, this is the first time I got to make a project with my friends. We would do, like, quarantine writing trips where we would, like, get a house somewhere, like, really dope and, like... Oh, that's sick. Just, like, set up camp there and, like work all day all night for like a week straight or whatever which was really rad it was my first time like like I just feel like you can hear how much fun we all had like you can hear that on the the album despite it being the worst year of my life it was also like the best year of my life at the same time so I didn't realize you could be like two things at once you know like super sad and also super happy like until I was but that was a thing is there a place in the album that you think of where you're like okay Nashville, that was where the roots took place for the album. What comes to mind? Which place? Definitely Nashville. That was like the week I like, it it all like made sense for me. Cause I knew how the album was going to start. I knew it was going to start with Douchebag and like 
tell the story a bit about this breakup and whatever, but I didn't know where it was going to end because I had no idea where I was going. I was still like really sad and whatnot. So like the second I started to heal, the album like started to make sense as well. And I think that was definitely like my week in like Nashville was like a very big week for me. Like not just as like an artist, but as like a person. I wanted to ask you, Taylor, because you mentioned high highs and low lows earlier. And I really relate to that on not being as much of a stable emotional person, but also more like a roller coaster. How do you deal with staying motivated in your work when you are in those low lows? Because they can be very intense. Yeah. My God. Yeah. When I have like really low lows, I love to shut off completely and like not do any of the things I need to do. And then I get overwhelmed, but I'm so overwhelmed. So I just ignore it even more. Like it's very, a bad cycle to get into. I get a lot of like stability and like sense of fulfillment and like self-worth when I'm like working and getting shit done and like crossing shit off my to-do list. So if I'm not doing that, I'm gonna just going to feel worse about myself. Whenever I like feel myself going into like a low place, I make a list of all the things I need to do and like put all my sad energy into doing those things because ultimately that's going to like make me feel better in the future. Through conversations, I've kind of realized that similar to substance abuse, but work, you're using work as a distraction from your emotions and not allowing yourself to deal with those emotions. And I do this all the time because I get so much satisfaction. I actually love my work that I doesn't feel like work necessarily. The ability to just sit with your emotions and kind of have that conversation with your emotions and ask them how they're doing, I found is very important for me because if I'm constantly working, the problem's not going to go away. It's just going to be delayed for a later date. I think that that's something that I've really realized because I took so much of my emotions out on work. I didn't actually deal with them. So they kind of like bottled up, bottled up, bottled up, and they came out in this massive explosion. I was going to say, have you ever tried boxing? Because I was, I realized I had so much pent up anger over this breakup. And then I started boxing to like get my anger out. And it was, it's the best thing ever. How have you found boxing has helped you? For me, it's like my main form of working out. I feel like any form of working out or being just like active is going to get a certain level of pent up energy or aggression like out of you before you like start your day. Whether it's boxing, whether it's swimming, running, whatever your vibe is, I just think some sort of like physical activity every day, even if like you're busy and like only have like 20 minutes, just like do something and it like really helps. I love to like visualize things. So like if I'm like actually visualizing like negative energy, this is so like intense, but like if you no, that's cool. visualize yeah, yeah. like punching out the negative like energy, it's been helpful for me for sure. That's so cool. I'm interested. What are a few goals you have over the next year that maybe you're looking to work on both personally and with music? I think my biggest goal is balance. That's something I'm like trying cool. to figure out. And I think another goal is like, I've spent the past four years just like working so hard towards my music and I'll always be doing that. But I feel like when I was like 19, going into my 20s, working so hard in music, I forgot that like I should go home and like visit my parents whenever I can and like go see my siblings, just make time for like things like that, like things that just like make me like feel like grounded and just consciously like making time for for those type of things, I think is a big goal of mine too for this next year, especially since I'm going to be like on tour for most of it, just like finding, I call them pockets of peace, like trying to find moments amidst the chaos to like ground yourself. Yeah, for sure. I like to finish it off with a little 
lighter note question. If the people listening could stream any one of your songs right now, which one would you want them to listen to and why? Go listen to Thriving. It's the fifth track on my album and it's about being a complete mess, but like telling yourself you're actually thriving and like saying it so much that you start to believe that you're actually doing great. And that I guess has been like my motto for the past year is just like the conversations with with yourself of just being like, nah, you're doing fine. Shit may be hitting the fan, but like you're doing great. You're going to be fine. That's what that song's about. So go check out Thriving. Yeah. There you go. Well, thank you so thank much you. for coming on. We really appreciate you your guys. time. Everyone, make sure you check out Upstall's new album, Lady Jesus. Look it up on Spotify, stream it. Make sure you listen through the whole way because there's no fillers. We ain't about that. Yes. Sounds good. Thank you, Taylor. Appreciate it. So, Will, I really liked that episode with Upsoul and I wanted to get straight into it and ask you, what was your biggest takeaway? Yeah, definitely. Well, I really enjoyed hearing how she went from deciding to do music to a weird couple of years with COVID where it seems like for her touring, you know, means a lot to her and that live experience. So I can only imagine how hard that period would have been. And to also go through a breakup, that's like a lot of triggers for potentially tough mental health state. But I really liked the fact and took away from it that she leaned on friends and family And I think that's really important and sometimes a little bit underrated or taken for granted. I know personally it can be so therapeutic to speak to someone about it, like a friend. And I've noticed recently that it can really almost half the problem and just take away that sort of burden that I can sometimes feel as well. So I think that's a really good tip for anyone listening. Remember to talk about what you're going through. We've had a couple of episodes where journaling's been mentioned. I still think that's important, yet I've recently learned the benefits of really talking to friends when you are struggling. I used to be very introspective about it, so I just really admired that throughout that time, she was able to find peace in, in talking about how she was feeling. I also think it's cool that she's working on her, her music with her friends, and I think like that always translates you know, when you are having fun and, and doing things with the right people around you. We are definitely going to have some episodes about keeping the right friends and knowing when to move on from a friend when they're not good for you. But I think as a whole, that's a great tip. With that in mind, I just want to remind you, if you enjoyed this podcast, please send it to a friend and rate us five stars. We really think that Upsell story is worthy of that. Make sure to follow us, like us, and subscribe on our socials at Really Mental Podcast. We're very excited for next week because we have Garrett Nash on the show next week. He has a billion plus streams. Crazy. Very excited to talk to him as well. So make sure you tune in next Tuesday when our episodes drop. Hopefully you have a great week. Remember to message us if you are. Lots of love for you. Have an amazing week. See you next week. Even when you lose our hope, you go deeper than you've gone. Hold on till you can't no more. If you guys are struggling, Will and I aren't like professionals in this field. We're just telling our experiences through stories and kind of just sharing what we've been through. But if you are really struggling, we do highly suggest going to see a therapist and professional help because they will be the ones that can really help you in your situation. Yeah, of course. Feel free to share your stories with us and DM us. We want to know what you're going through, but make sure you take the time to speak to a professional because that's going to give you the most help.
That said, we hope that these stories and the people we've spoken to can really help you on your journey to finding that right person, whether it's a therapist or that friend to talk to about it. Make sure you take the time to do that.